Hello everyone and welcome to Fun FM. My name is Brett Cole and alongside me as always is our IT and podcast guru, Lachlan Colprat. Welcome, how are we? Upset. Just now, a, little, a, little, a little disappointed in the system, Brett. The system has failed us. I believed in the system. No more. No more. I do not believe in the system. The system has gravely let us down. It's an injustice that Callan was not drafted. And the AFL and Ned Guy need to have a long, hard look at themselves. <laughs> now, for those that don't know what Wog is talking about, do you want to run through it, Wog? Callan was not drafted. So, Callan Huff, our uh, um, great mate in Callan Huff, was uh, nominated for the draft. I think he was the second or third oldest at nominated and uh, unfortunately got looked over. It's disappointing, actually. It was funny that... um. There's a forum post that was brought to our attention that was talking about the oldest players in the AFL draft and the two other uh, oldest players in the AFL draft that had nominated for it were Grant Birchall and Tyson Goldsack. So it basically tells you that Huffy has one premiership away from bringing a legend of the game. <laughs> I, guess we'll, I guess we'll never know now. And it was on that forum that, um, what was the saying? D- don't let your dreams die or something? Yeah, don't let the dreams die. <laughs> So, bad luck to Huffy on not getting drafted. Um, we're right behind him. It said, I think Wagga's sentiments uh, say it all that we're a little bit disappointed and a bit shocked that you didn't get drafted. But anyway, life moves on, and no doubt you'll do your finest at uh, Nutrien. Anyway, Wagga, we'll straighten right up now. Coming up on the show, as always, uh, got a little bit of information around the club. Probably not a hell of a lot still. Uh, we'll do a review of last week's matches. And we'll do, uh, got some other stuff as well. Now, we have got a special guest this week. Well, we'll just keep it under wraps for the moment, but a very, very not sharp interview, if you ask me. I liked it. We had pre-recorded it before we do this, as we seem to tend to do all the time now, but uh, with Wagga's great editing skills, uh, it just slots in perfectly. Uh, now, while as always, you want to give a bit of a shout-out to a couple uh, very, very special people. Yes, I certainly will. Uh, to Tian Watson and to Neville Cooper, thank you very much for the contributions uh, musically and graphically uh, to this podcast. It's uh, greatly appreciated and uh, we love the work that you provide. I was actually chatting to Nev over the weekend and he was mentioning that he might have a little bit of free time in his hands, so he might be able to provide me with a few more musical tidbits over the uh, Christmas break. So stay tuned for that, listeners. I'm thoroughly looking forward to seeing what uh, what Nev will be able to th- throw up with uh, a bit of extra time up his hands. And uh, if you need any graphics works done, please get in contact with Tane Watson because uh, the young man does some very fine work. He does indeed, Bob. All right, so we'll move along to information around the club. To be honest, not a hell of a lot. Uh, obviously, the senior part of the – or senior men's part of the club um, have finished up for 2020. Uh, that the year is – that is not the season with our – under-13s and under-16s uh, to finish uh, on Wednesday and Saturday this week. So get along to those games if, you, if you're in the area and got nothing else to do, especially the under-16s. Now, we did a merchandise order the other week, so that's been ordered and hopefully have that within the new year. Maybe not for the first game, but definitely the second game. And apart from that, not really a hell of a lot else to report, uh, apart from uh, training will resume on November 5, which is a Tuesday night, uh, as well as a Thursday on the 7th, as A-grade and A-reserve resume on the 9th of January. So a nice little break for everyone. Some might like it. I know I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Others like yourself, well, are pretty keen to keep going, so... Uh, I know John mentioned in A grade on Saturday, if anyone was keen to have a hit, he was more than happy to facilitate that. So if you are looking to just go and have half an hour of batting practice or whatever, uh, let John know or myself know, like I'm probably have this week off, but might be pretty keen next week or the following week. So, yeah, it's, if you are keen, because of the way uh, the teams are situated on the ladder at the moment, um, feel free. If not, enjoy your break. So... Yeah, that's about it. Well, uh, from around the club, not a hell of a lot. The, these summaries are getting shorter and shorter. We will have some stuff in the new year, hopefully, so um, stay tuned for that um, when that arrives. Now, well, do you want to give a bit of a review of last week's matches starting from our two junior teams? Certainly, certainly. Uh, so uh, our combine side made the uh, lengthy journey, a quest even, if you will, to Hepburn 
to take on a powerful Hepburn side. Hepburn won the toss, sent the combine side in to have a bat, and unfortunately the combine side uh, only able to muster up 85 runs. Uh, Aidan Goddard, Jack Nuttall and Isaac Gilman-Sharp uh, all got double figures, and then Ernie Extras uh, contributed with 21 as well. So not a... Uh, not the greatest batting display, unfortunately, by our juniors. Uh, however, in saying that, they happen to have quite a strong team um, and are very high on the ladder. Um, they'll be one of the teams to beat uh, in, this, in the junior grades, I would suggest. So, unfortunate, but uh, hopefully hopefully they can come back next week and give it a red-hot crack and try and see if they can uh, defend 85 runs. Brett? Yeah, my man, Tommy Smith, uh, not m- making another duck. So, nice to get out the training on Tuesday and... Uh work with him um, but yeah i was hoping they'd make a few more than 85 but uh not to be uh, as, as you mentioned well uh Epburn do have a pretty um good team although they're missing one so who's a very very capable cricketer but who knows couple early wickets and uh cricket's a very funny game so all the best to those young men and ladies because we can't forget chloe and uh caitlin exactly. and as well Exactly. Well said. Uh, so we'll kick on to the next game. Uh, Muckleford played Harcourt uh, at Muckleford. So Muckleford won the toss and sent Harcourt in. And uh, they did a good job, uh, Good putting a good bowling display to uh, restrict Harcourt to seven for 117 off of their allotted 40 overs. Pick of the bowlers, uh, your mate Beetle, uh, Seth Gross, cheeky threefer. Three for five. Uh, must bowl, bowl very well looking at the stats. And uh, you know, just uh, just by sounds, Brett, just a little bit of Luke Hodge about him, just commanding, demanding the ball, just wanting the ball in his hands. Um, so it's good to, good to see with the young man. Uh, and we also got a... Not, a, not only demanding the ball, Wog, after 20 hours, he demanded the keeping gloves. <laughs> there was a little fellow behind the stumps. I said, who's that keeping? And they said, that's oh, Seth. And I'm like, geez, no taller than the stumps. Uh, and then they said, oh, you're already taking three wickets early in the day. So good on, young man. Yes, uh, up and about. Uh, and then uh, single wicket takers were uh, Rowan Singh, so these young boy, um, Jack McLeod, Sophie Zamet, and Theo Malik Cooper. So a good job by the kids there to keep uh, Harcourt to 717. Uh, gives them every chance of chasing the other runs uh, next week and putting them in, a, in quite a handy position on the ladder as well. Listening to it because I was out there for about 20 minutes on Saturday, Harcourt were just happy to bat their overs and make 100. So credit where credit's due um, for, for, the, for Harcourt to do that, um, but also good on our kids. Uh, you know, everyone had a bowl because they only had 10 our kids and had to get young Rohan to come up and have a game and he took a wicket, so that's great. Great for him. So, yeah, it's good that all our kids get a go uh, instead of, you know, I'm looking at other scores in C grade and it doesn't read very well for, from a competition point of view. But anyway, that's another story, Wog. Indeed. Okay, so uh, we'll move on to the senior grades. The first one is B grade, took on Castlemaine at Old Muckleford. Castlemaine won the toss and sent Muckleford into bat. They got off to a terrific start, absolutely terrific start through uh, Matt McEachern and uh, Ryan White. Ryan got 66 and Matt got 39, and they put on a tremendous uh, opening stance, which got to the boys to about 100-odd without losing any wickets. Uh, and then they that set the platform for the rest of the guys, and we had uh, some even contribution contributions from... Uh, the rest of the boys, so Benny Ross today, you know, Dean Slingo, Buzz McGuire, Ian Bracken, Neville Cooper, all getting double figures uh, to get the FUDs to a very competitive 7 for 209 off of their allotted overs. So terrific batting display by the guys, particularly with Rhino. And I even I even heard, Brett, that Benny Rossiter, Strutsman, the man himself, Dorothy, bang, boom, see you later. Did the defence, very happy with Did you hear that, Wog? Yeah. Yes, I did hear all about that. No, he's very happy with himself. Just rocked up to the ground at South after the game. Take that. See you later. Yep. <laughs> so good on you, Strutter. Great work, mate. Love hearing about the Dorothys. So the boys uh, turned to the field and they put in a uh, solid bowling uh, performance to restrict Castlemaine to 8 for 167. So the pick of the bowlers here, Dean left arm hoop Slingo. Three for 29 off of his seven overs. Dave, Chris Harris, clone, Dave Latham, uh, three for 37 off of his seven overs. And we also got uh, one wicket from Neville Cooper. 
and one from Morris Kennedy. So a terrific effort to restrict cast mining the way that they did. And it locks away another bundle of points and really solidifies B-grade's position on the ladder. They're, they're sitting very pretty, two games ahead of uh, second and third. So uh, yeah, terrific stuff by the uh, B-grade boys to continue on in their winning ways. I reckon Dave Leatham's more your Gavin Larson type, I reckon, well, more than your Chris Harris. Mm, okay. uh, <laughs> but no, no, good win. I mean, Kessler, we got a fairly young team. Uh, so it's good that they were very good to see young uh, Ethan took the new ball as well. So uh, a great learning curve for, for young Paddy. Um, figures probably uh, don't reflect probably what we would all hope, but uh, he'll no doubt learn from that. But, yeah, the great boys just uh, going along very nicely indeed. Exactly. All right, so we'll turn our attention to A Reserve. So A Reserve took on Newstead at the Mapson and Timmins Oval. Uh, Newstead won the toss, and I think Cord said it was the fifth toss of six that he has lost. So he's having a good run of it this year with the tosses, his old Cords. Uh, <laughs> Newstead having a bat first, put on a, a pretty competitive score. Uh, they, we bought, uh, Michael Ford managed to bowl him out for 167. It, it looked like it could have been a heck of a lot worse, particularly when they were one for uh, – two for, sorry, uh, two for 122 – um, and really setting a really sol- a solid platform um, through Joel Smith and Cameron Hepburn, who were just running us ragged, and we, we just couldn't keep up with them. So the guys fought back really hardly in the latter half of the innings, put in a um, sterling bowling effort, um, and Cords really did uh, did uh, move some chess pieces around to try and uh, make a few things happen. And a few of these key chess pieces in uh, Marty Sharples and Callan Huff uh, led to a bundle of wickets falling very, very quickly. Uh, so Marty got uh, four for 35 off of his seven, and Callan, everywhere man half, 7.3 overs, four for 22, including two catches, and I think he was also involved in a run out as well. So Huffy was absolutely everywhere and clearly, clearly was gutted about his uh, about the AFL sticking it to him. <laughs> well, he's been involved in the collapse that's, uh, of nine for 45 logs, so... I think Marty was bowling his uh, his um, off spin, wasn't he? He's he was. Roger Harper's. Yes, he was. was, um, was That's all I got, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, no, it was an interesting. It was an interesting theory. Uh, we we tried to bowl slow. Uh, it didn't work. So we uh, we we kicked it up a gear and we bowled slower. And apparently that worked. So uh, terrific effort by the guys to restrict them the way that they did. Um, 167 competitive score. Could have been it could have been two hundred plus very easily. Anywho, so we'll kick over to the batting. The guy's got the runs. That's just, Marty Shaffles was terrific. He put in an all round a terrific all round performance. Seventy four with the bat. He galvanised the entire innings more or less. Uh, it was he was blowing pretty hard by the time he got to about thirty odd Marty, and uh, he was sort of looking like one of those chess pieces leaning on his bat at times when um he was gasping for air. But he, he put in absolute uh, terrific display. Uh, Jamie Cox also contributed with the bat with a very quick fight twenty two. Uh, as, as Jamie only knows how to do. Kyle, uh, the finisher, Cordy, 20 not out as well. And Andrew Butcher uh, came in as a pitcher late in the innings to uh, help gain victory for us, more or less. It was it was a terrific performance. They got the runs with an over and a half left. Um, so they timed their run to perfection. Um, so a terrific effort by the R-Reserve guys and a win that they really needed to have, given their position on the ladder. Yeah, look, the word we got about oh, about 5 o'clock, well, it wasn't looking very good and it a reserve looked like they were going to get beat. So two hours later, when we found out uh, they won, it was like, oh, okay, where did that come from? But obviously, Marty must have batted very well, especially you know, he's got a bit of a, a bit of a back issue, or not a back issue, but a, uh, I can't remember, a side, not a sciatica, or do you know what I'm? A, a muscle down the side of the hip and back and stuff like that. I can't remember what it's called. Well, Latissimus dorsi, that's the only one I've got. No, it starts with a C. I just, a sciatica or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no, look, biology was not my biology. No, no. Anyway. Anatomy? Yeah, that one. Not, not my strength, but uh, no, good win. Uh, as you said, mentioned, uh, very important. They did come away with a victory, and, and hopefully with a couple of people back going forward, um, it'll strengthen um, LA Reserve. Um, so yeah, excellent stuff. Yep. Okay. So we'll move. We'll move on to uh, A grade. So A grade took on Castlemaine United at the Camp Reserve. Castlemaine won the toss and decided to have a bat first. 
and posted uh, 8 for 157 off of their allotted overs. Pick of the bowlers, uh, Sorbent Watson does it again, 3 for 35 off of his 8. Head wobble Cole, 2 for 21 off of his 7. And uh, we also got a single wickets for uh, Braden Wright, Ed Gingell, and Daniel Slots Peckham. So uh, good effort. I, th- I'd, I would think that 160 would be a little bit, a little bit unders uh, on the camp, but uh, a good effort by the lads to keep them to 157. Brett, thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, we thought 160 was par. Like the ground was quick and slow. It, it's a bit like South Muckleford. It's quick in some areas and a bit slow in other areas. So. That, that ebbed and flowed most innings. We thought we had them under control. It drinks at three for sixty, and then straight after drinks, they launched into a an almighty assault, and he got forty off the next six or seven. Pegged them back again. They got away from us at the end as well. So probably when we we're looking at probably one forty, one fifty to let him get one hundred and sixty, we're like, mm, not ideal, but anyway. Fair enough. Okay, so uh, we go to the batting. Muckleford got the runs. Eight for 159 with two balls remaining in the day's play. Pick of the batsman, head wobble Cole with 29 off of his 45 uh, deliveries. Uh, Matthew Mead, 24 from 48. Uh, Daniel Peckham got 20 off 34. And Johnny Watson also got 15 off of his 29 deliveries. But the pick of the batsman, wowee, isn't this a story in itself, Brett? Timmy Gingell, the man himself, the king of Mead, the master of bees, 30 off of 18 rocks as having home victory for A grade, I would suggest, Brett. Oh, very much so. Wild light. Again, it ebbed and flowed again, like we were sitting pretty nicely at uh, 3 for 93 with about 15 overs to go. Like, run rate well under control. John and I both sort of set. And then, I fair to say that uh, myself, Ed, Maddie, John threw our wickets away to some, to not, to some not so great bowling. Yeah, like I got out to a full toss. Matty got out to a half tracker. Ed, I can't. I think he spooned one to to mid off. Um, Johnny ran down the wicket and tried to hit Chaffee out of the ground. So um, yeah, we we got ourselves in a real big hole. And needing, I think when Timmy come in seven and over, and um, Timmy he was uh, extremely confident when he went out to bat. He basically turned around and said, "All right, boys, I've got this." And uh, don't think I was the only one. We all go and sort of went, yeah, okay, Tim, no worries. Yeah, let's just see if we can get 140. Because uh, I don't think I think Tim had made about 10 runs for the year. So Timmy was uh, he was in his element. He just went bang, bang, bang. Uh, got dropped first ball the last over um, when we needed 10 to win, and then proceeded to hit the next ball for four, and then two twos and uh, to win it. You know, he was a very, very happy man. He was celebration was very reminiscent reminiscent of uh, Michael Bevan, 96-97, that New Year's Day game uh, when they hit four off the last ball. He was very pumped up, was Timmy. Uh, I think it might have been uh, the special uh, brew that he brought to the game for the boys. Uh, unofficial, apparently, if you ask Tim, uh, but he brought a very nice brew of cordial, homemade. Uh, I sampled it after the game myself, Wog, and uh, delicious it was, so... Uh, he's very pumped up, Timmy, uh, and did an absolute awesome job. Not to forget Tian as well, who was up the other end, uh, making sure Timmy uh, had the strike as much as possible. Uh, Tian had an eventful innings. He was potentially caught behind at one point. Uh, next ball should have been bowled, but the, the, uh, hit the bail and didn't fall off. And then I think uh, the over or two overs later, he may have been run out, but fortunately, uh, Brendan done the umpire was uh, a bit blindsided them. I don't think he saw it so um, but Nartine did a great job and um, yeah very very nice to have a win especially yeah we again battered ourselves in a really good position nearly threw it away with some probably not so clever batting uh, but yeah nice to have a win must say well I've gone out to bat on Saturday and I've copped it from young Aiden Goddard he's into me about the podcast so. <laughs> Well, we've got a, a listener from uh, the opposition, so good on you, Aiden. Um, I've heard it all before, young man, though. Uh, you're going to have to come up with something a bit better than that. So, But no, good on you. <laughs> nice to hear a bit of chirp out there. Oh, terrific. That's great to hear. Oh, well done, Aiden. Keep it up, young man. Terrific. Good stuff. Um, and, and on that note, Brett, that's the uh, end of the preview uh, for the matches. All good, Rob. Done well. Now, Wog, we mentioned a bit earlier, we've got a very special guest uh, coming up on the show. 
We'll just give this teaser out. We're not going to give any stats. Let's just say uh, this individual has uh, just finished a four-day fixture. So make of that what you will, I reckon. Anyway, we might take a very short break and uh, uh, take a message from our wonderful sponsor. Are you looking to light up your house? Give Lachlan a call at Ambient Lighting and Electrical on 0438 or you can uh, visit his website on ambientlighting.com.au. He'll set the right ambience for you. Welcome back to Fun FM, everyone, and a big thank you to our sponsor in Ambient Lighting. Now, Wog, we've been uh, we've been talking about this off-air, uh, Wog, and we're very, very happy with who we've picked up now. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago we had a special guest, and uh, he couldn't do it last week. Oh, well, there's, there's your first clue, uh, because, well... As I mentioned just before the break, Wog, he was involved in a four-day fixture. Now, people's minds will be probably racing. Have we got Brad Hodge? Have we got, uh, you know, someone from the Vic State second eleven? No, we haven't. We've gone to royalty, though, Wog, and I'm very pleased to welcome young Darcy McCrosty. Darcy, how are you? Good, thanks, Peter. How are you, Yeah, going well, mate. Now, just speaking on that four-day clash... Tell us what actually goes on there, because when you told me, I went, what, what do you mean you're playing a four-day game? Yeah, so up in Adelaide here, we have our uh, intercollegiate game against a rival school. So each private school has a team that they play against in a competition for a cup called the Intercol Cup. And, um, yeah, we basically just a series of games. So there's footy, you have your Intercol game, netball, all those sort of sports. And then in the summer, you have cricket where we play four-day game, two innings each, 90 overs in the day, and, yeah, pretty much winners are winners. Just like a test match, yeah, pretty much. Ah, sounds awesome. Uh, as uh, we mentioned off air, Wog, probably Daniel's uh, Peckham's dream to play in something like that where he get back for four days and maybe make 100. Um, <laughs> uh, now, we're very remiss of me, Wog. Uh, now, Darce, you uh, started your junior cricket uh, with Mucklewood many, many, well, no, not many years ago, but certainly some time ago. Now, you're living over in South Australia um, as we speak, but tell us about your early memories um, playing junior cricket at Muckleford and how you, how you become to playing at Muckleford. Yeah, so I was actually thinking about this. I remember the first couple years, I can't remember, 2014 maybe or something like that, playing Milo cricket on Match and Tim and Oval. And I just remember watching, even like coming out to watch the C-grade when I was really young, my older brother played a year before me and just watching players like Hadley and Barrow, all those blokes, the Slingo brothers. I remember just wanting to be out there in the under-16s. Uh, I played under-13s for a bit, but I just remember when I got the call to play in the under-16s and I just, oh, it was good fun playing with like players like Geordie, uh, Tian when he was in there. And it, yeah, it's just such a good fun. And I just remember, yeah, being the little little dog of the big boys. That's us. That was good in under 16s. You were now. You were very small of stature back then. I reckon the pads uh, nearly were up around your, your shoulders, and you couldn't actually see it when you were keeping uh, either. From what I remember, now is it fair to say the butchers had a fair hand in um, in you coming to Muckleford? Yes. Well, we were. Oh, we'd been neighbours for a fair few years. We went to primary school together. But yeah, definitely Trevor Butcher got us along Milo Cricket playing that and then yeah definitely coming out to under 13s trevor in charge of all that and then moving up into under 16s and timmy g and then and that's when you started to excel mate now because you play i think you won to win one or two flags with timmy in the under 16s i can't quite remember well it was two i'm pretty sure and then when the two team the two when we combined the muckleford and castlemaine i remember i played i was during the final series, I moved to Adelaide and I remember coming back for a semi-final, beating Barkers, and then <laughs> I had to go back and the week later, Lloydie steered us home to win the grand final against Castlemaine United. So, yes, that, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, I do. Well, you still claim it, mate. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, your, your cricketing ability, uh, you're very, very high up uh, in, um, I get, guess, the pathways. Now, when you were over in Victoria, you um, were involved in the Central Highlands representative teams and, and also played one or two years with the Vic Country teams at junior level. Yes, I played one year in the under-15s, but 
that was the sort of the same time as I was moving over to South Australia. And it was pretty funny because the carnival for the under-15s nationals was at the time of when I was living in South Australia. So I was living in South Australia and then I went over and played for Victoria Country in up in uh, Queensland. So it was a bit weird, but no, it was good represent them for it sort of got me going, I guess, in a way. Yep, and then I think the following year you represented SA. Is that right and so? Yeah. Yeah, and the under-17. So, I mean, I played against some of my mates from back in Victoria, and it was it was pretty funny just copying a bit from them. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the chat would have been first rate. Yeah. Now, I can certainly remember a couple of videos that your father posted on, um, on our Facebook, uh, you reverse sweeping and... And all this kind of stuff now. I'm well, not quite sure about that, young Dars. Uh, all for it. <laughs> we're more of your more of your textbook stuff, but um, obviously going through the pathways, they teach you that kind of stuff on how to layer eyes and and things like that. Oh, to be honest, I think it's just a fair bit of watching too much cricket. Like I never really <laughs> practice that sort of stuff. <laughs> I just see players like Maxwell and Sweepologist Rossi playing those kind of shots, and it's just like, yeah, but got a couple away that time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough, mate. Now, speaking of Alex Ross, uh, you play your you play grade cricket. I think they call it over in South Australia with Kensington, which I believe that's a is that the home of Don Bradman? Yes, it is. I'm going well here, Wob. Um, now, you made your debut in first grade about a month ago, I think. Now. Um, yeah, I actually watched a little bit of it. Yeah, it's just about a month ago, three weeks or so, yeah. Yeah, I actually watched a little bit of vision of this because I didn't realise that all the Saka first grades on uh, on YouTube. So I must admit, I, wa- I watched your 13 ball that you face um, and you were lucky to play it. Well, you've got a teammate in Alex Ross. Now, we're taking this on a Monday and Alex Ross is playing in the big bash as we speak. Uh, he just happened to disappear off a lazy 200. Uh, tell us your experience playing, first of all, making debut in first grade and what it was like to be out there when he made his 200. Yeah, so, oh, to, first of all, like, to get the cap presented to me, like, that was just, like, awesome moment. Uh, all the boys had been wanting me, pushing me to get there. Um, but, yeah, just to be able to play and train with the players like Alex Ross, uh, we've also got Daniel Worrell, who's also at Kenzie. He's sometimes around when he's not playing South Australian strikers now. But, yeah, oh, the experience with Rossi, he's such a good bloke to just feed off, talk to, oh, and just an all-round like, top bloke at training, even at games. And, yeah, just his experience at that level. Oh, he topped it off in that game, 200. And to be out there, was, it was pretty cool. I mean, declared pretty soon after. But, no, when he brought up that 200 with the... Massive six. It was just, yeah, awesome moment. Yeah, it was a big six from what I can remember. Now, also, you've played a couple of T20 games for Kensington. I noticed, I think you top scored the other week. You got 40 off about 29 balls. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, that's correct. So I've done my homework. (laughs) Edged a couple of pizza slips early on. Got a bit lucky, but no, a couple away at the end, which is pretty cool. But didn't get the win. Uh, And tell us what it's like playing first grade cricket, mate. For the st- or in the state, or the best cricket in the state, I guess. Yeah, well, it's a huge step up. I mean, I play school cricket most weekends, and that's kind of like you know, yeah, school cricketers pretty young, low. You know, it's it's a huge step up. Like for, in that twenty twenty the other night, there was Aaron Summers who Hobart Hurricanes and all around, like he's played a fair bit around the world. Um, bowls at one forties or something, and I had to face him for a bit, which is a bit not what I've faced before but no it's a good challenge so it's definitely a massive step up and i'm tipping you're enjoying it mate you you're one that embraces challenges like that you remember i think you open under 16 level when you're about 11 so you're not one to shy away from a challenge are you nah yeah i remember yeah <laughs> good old days <laughs> yeah. fair enough mate now well i know you've got some questions for young Dar, so far away yes yes all right strap yourself in young man because uh if, uh, if there's no pressure on this interview, but if it goes pear-shaped, it may come back to bite you in the bum when you're the next Tim Payne captaining Australia. Uh, so for, I'll start off with a couple of easy ones just to, first off, mate. Just firstly, uh, your brothers, so Lockie and Louie, how are they both going and what are they both up to? Yeah, so start off with Lockie. He's finished school. Uh, he's working a fair bit. He's doing a bit of soccer coaching. He's, he was, he's into his soccer, so he's also playing soccer, actually, um, at Adelaide City. He's in the reserves. He was in the reserve squad this year and I think for next season he's got a senior contract at Adelaide City, which is pretty cool. Something right. that he's been 
working out for the last three years, I reckon, since we moved. And then Louis just finished year eight. He's playing school cricket, trialled for the Kensington Academy, didn't make it, but I think he'll be, he's pretty still pretty young, so he might come back out trial another time. But yeah, school cricket, not playing soccer. We He's playing footy for school, which is big move for a little body like him. Uh, and then... So is he grown? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Com- from com- Probably compared to when you last saw him, he's definitely grown and he's, yeah, developing muscles, <laughs> as he says. And he's also actually just started enjoying touch footy, which Dad used to play a fair bit of and he sort of caught along. So, yeah. Oh, fantastic. No, good to hear. I'll do, I will just quickly throw in my, uh, my little... I'm glad you... Back about Louis at the end there because I've got my own little Louis McCrosty story. So um, we're playing a game with a reserve out at Newstead and uh, we were in the field and Darcy, I'm sure you were keeping. Um, and I was standing at Cow Corner near the scoreboard and I was out there by myself. Didn't see anyone around for miles and miles, or, you know, a decent way. And anyway, you're sort of in the outfit, you get lost in your thoughts and you're thinking about all sorts of random stuff. And then at yeah, this corner of my ear, I hear this, don't blame him. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm trying to see someone. I don't, I don't see anybody, and I'm confused. I'm like, I'm surely not hallucinating here. It's not that hot. And um, so, I, anyway, I switched off, and Braden Wright was bowling at the time, um, and he bowled a couple more, and the next thing I hear, go, Blado! What the? What is that coming through? So I looked at the scoreboard, and through the gaps uh, where they put the panels to put the scoreboard, you can see there's a little pair of eyes peering through the gaps in the scoreboard. And I've gone... Look at me, it's Louis. He's standing in the scoreboard supporting Brado, but he was hiding like a little ninja. It was absolutely <laughs> unreal. It took me like, I kid you not, it took me about 10 or 15 minutes to find the little bugger, but I finally saw him. But um, yeah, I, I distinctly remember that. And yeah, just a fantastic little story. Okay, so uh, next question Do you miss Victoria? Oh, 100%. I mean, not only fudders, but also schoolmates. I've given up soccer, so I probably, I mean, moving to a South Australia, that didn't really help with soccer, but, I mean, I'm happy playing cricket in South Australia. I don't know if it would have been the same in Victoria, in the country, but, no, like, definitely Mr. Futters. The culture that we had there was unreal, and, yeah, just like Mucklefoot in general, like, that's the place. Like, living in the city now, or not really city, but, like, suburbs, it's completely different to living on 20 acres out in Muckleford, so... Yep. Yeah, nah. definitely missing it. Uh, fair enough. And um, I suppose just a little small follow-up question. You don't have to necessarily answer this, but could you ever see yourself coming back to Victoria at any stage or do you think you'll be South Australia through and through? Good question. I've thought about after school what I want to do a bit. It's, yeah, it's dependent on, I guess, after school, how my cricket's going here in South Australia, but South Australia sort of needs some cricketers at the moment, to be honest. Victoria, not really. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. No, well said. Fair enough. Um, okay. Opportunities are plenty. No, fair enough. It's uh, well answered and well handled. I feel okay. So they were the um, they were the only serious ones that I have. So now we can get to the silly stuff, which is of course more humorous and more fun, which is what we want to hear. Okay. So uh, first up, first, uh, at what age did you realise you were good at cricket? Two or three months? Um, no, I don't know. Okay, and um, as a as a as a follow up question, were you practicing keeping up to the spinner whilst toilet training to maximise efficiency? What? I'll take that as a no. That's okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll move. I'll, I'll just let that one go through to the keeper, Darcy. We won't worry about that at all. <laughs> Note to self. Yeah, yeah. Shoulder arms. Good move. Good move. Note to self. Right. Better questions. Okay. Right. Next question. Um. Few people may not be aware of this. However, you're quite the connoisseur of fine food stars. Some of your favourite meals previously mentioned by yourself include Peking duck, duck a l'orange, Guyanese duck curry, to duckin, comfort duck, and Long Island roast duck. My question to you is this. Why is duck on the menu each time a new batsman strives to the crease? <laughs> uh, I actually do remember... A lot of talk about that at the Fudders, actually. <laughs> it still gets talked about. <laughs> that's hilarious. I remember... Oh, that's actually brought back a massive memory. I remember 
Yeah, especially with Ewoks walking out, like the new Batsman walking out, it's like, oh, Goldie does on the city. Yep, yep, exactly. I've it never was... said that ever, other than at the fastest. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. <laughs> no, fair enough. I might bring that next week. I'll bring it out. Yeah, do it. do it. Do it. Good, good lad. I love it. Okay, so uh, next question. Uh, we know deep down that you were still a Muckleford lad at heart, and despite not being at the club for a few years now, some of your unique mannerisms still linger to this day. Have it, I was, and sort of goes to what we were talking about just then. Have any of these personality traits worn off at Kensington? And if so, what sort of chat occurs in the slip court? And such examples of a dust zinger include duck on the menu, as alluded to before, and fair enough when it is bulged short and a wide down leg. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the chat's a bit different. You don't have sort of your Dean Flingos and your Jason Fothergills at Kenzie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, nah, um, I've brought a couple characters characteristics with me from Muckleford, definitely. Um, I tried to get the boys around the good old do it for the donkey move. Cool. Yes. Yes. Good the, is, it, is the donkey still at Muckleford? Uh, uh, there's actually a donkey, a donkey at both grounds now. Uh, there's a donkey has migrated to North Muckleford. I think it's an alpaca, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, I... I, I Said it in my first couple, my first year, I reckon, in um, Muckleford. I remember, uh, sorry, Kensington. Um, yeah, I was at a dinner or something, and I was, they were talking. They were talking to me about what I used to do at my old cricket club. And said, "Oh, we had this donkey that would stick around, always come out when there was a wicket. <laughs> when it would go off, there's a wicket all the time." <laughs> so there was yeah. nothing. I mean, there's nothing really at Kensington like a donkey or a horse or you know something like that. And I'll pack up, but. <laughs> Got ducks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a there's a massive pond up near uh, our home ground. So, oh, yeah. perfect. Even more yeah. reason to bring out duck references. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we'll oh. find up there tomorrow. We might have to if the duck flies or walks fast. Terrific. Well, if it, it, terrific. If that's the case, you're welcome. I've already provided you with more ammunition. So, uh, go me. <laughs> All right, uh, so I'll move on to the next question. It, it goes, it's sort of talking about that uh, uh, match that you played before uh, when Alex Ross got his 200-odd. Uh, so one of your recent performances with the bat was a cheeky seven not out off of 14 rocks against Southern Districts. Whilst this may sound like an odd stat to bring up, the big story I wish to raise here is the 263-run partnership between Jake Brown, 106, and Alex Ross, 209, as Kensington declared on five for a lazy 401. Uh, my question to you from this date, was it weird subconsciously expecting a Muckleford batting collapse that never eventuated, especially when it was a common sight to be three for 30 rather than three for 300? <laughs> I was actually thinking that, um, I mean, I was pretty nervous, but sort of, oh, we won the toss and we're batting. I'm batting at, what, six or seven. And I was actually thinking, like, oh, what if we have a collapse here and, like, I'm in with three for, yeah, 30, and I'm like, what do I do? And I remember... <laughs> Oh, the first two wickets or whatever. Yeah, first wicket or two fell. Alex Ross and Jake Browner and it's like, oh, you, you don't know what's really going to happen. Like, yeah, the first two fell pretty quickly and then I had to sort of scramble, get my whites on, you know, fly pad. I wasn't fully padded up, but like, I was just kind of like, come on, just stick at it, like just a bit longer, just to give me a bit more time to just relax. And I remember just doing that for about 70 overs, just like, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, me and my mate, Sam, who was also waiting to bat, he had some pretty bad pad rash after that because he was up and about, like, jumping, oh. doing, you know, his warm-up, ready to bat, like, the whole day. And I remember he just, he actually told me when he was, when it got later in the day, and he goes, look, I would, like, he's played a fair bit of A-grade cricket. He's about my age as well. But um, I remember him saying, like, he'd rather be out there three for 30 than three for 300 because he just wants to bat but I was kind of just like the opposite like oh I just kind of want to get out there maybe just get a bit of reading better bit of red ink and you know declare have a bowl that night and that was exactly what happened so I was kind of happy <laughs> ah, terrific terrific stuff um and this is just more of a follow-up question just for my um my own my own benefit than anything else are such feelings of batting safety similar to wrapping yourself in a warm and fuzzy blanket uh yeah I guess that was kind of what it was um yeah, when, when Alex Ross got out, I was kind of like, I don't really want to get out here. Just call Fair the you know, captain, like, you know. 
Fair enough. Let's have a bowl. But no, yeah. that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and my final question of the day. Um, at, of of Alex Ross's 209, how many runs were sweep shots? Well, that's actually, well, a lot, I'd say. 180. Um, uh, maybe 100. But they did have two spinners going for a while, I think. And, yeah, he did pull out the sweep, reverse sweep, switch, reverse thing a fair bit. But I think he's actually hasn't played it as much as he used to. I remember he used to play it like every ball from the spinner, literally like whether it's a out wide half tracker or something, but or like a Yorker. But I think he's grown on his game a bit, playing more the straight vertical bat, I think. Oh, fair but enough. But he, that he plays the sweep very well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Maybe Gray Nichols or Kookaburra will, will release a, a sweep bat for him. Okay, so <laughs> my uh, my final question, uh, and I have you, I asked this uh, to another wicket keeper that we had an interview with, and I've sort of rebranded it a little bit. Anywho, uh, all keepers are a bit of a different breed. They commonly love a chat with uh, with each one usually branding themselves in some way to stand out. Uh, examples are Rod Marsh's moustache, uh, Donny's mullet, Gilchrist's ears, uh, Alex Carey's immaculate teeth, uh, and Matty Wade's catchphrases. Uh, if you could use one great wicket keeper's characteristic to improve your brand, which one would it be and why? Mm. I don't mind Seb Gotch with his short sleeves. I do that in school cricket when we play 2020, just because we don't have long sleeve coloured clothing. So I yep. bring out the short sleeve for the 2020s at school cricket and it's it's, yeah, it's pretty elite, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, and 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 I'm, I'm imagining it's with flowing long hair as well, because I'm pretty sure the last time I saw yeah. you, you had short hair. So now you've got the flowing locks. Uh, it looks a little bit more yeah. brand like. Yeah, that's right. And even with the wide brim, sometimes I bring that one out. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, and my uh, my my follow up question uh, to that was: uh, I've noticed the hair has gained a bit of length since we last spoke. Maybe you're aiming to be Australia's first keeper with a mullet. Food for thought. Yeah, it could be. I, I saw Peter Hanscom the other night. He has oh, a bit of hair now, but... yes. That's a bit rich, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. Um, no, I might need to get a cut. Definitely. Don't tell Braden right that. He'll get very upset. <laughs> and um, on that on that note, I thank you for being a very good sport and handling my questions, Dars. Uh, I think you've set yourself up for a, a glorious media career. Uh, if cricket doesn't work. So uh, thank you very much, and I'll hand you back to Brett. Two very quick questions, mate, before we let you go. Uh, now, Thursday or yesterday, um, as we get when we this goes to air, um, you are playing against the Redbacks or the Redback Reserve Squad. Is that right, in the T20? Yeah, so we, just a mix of Redbacks, uh, and under 19s and the emerging Redbacks. So just getting together with two teams and, yeah, 2020 between ourselves. And we're... Where's that been played at, mate? That's up at Port Adelaide. Just a wicket that's available, but I've got a game Wednesday night, so Wednesday afternoon actually, and it's an under 19s against under 17s soccer face off, and we're playing camera up mobile under light, so that's pretty cool, I think. Uh, that is, mate. Now, because you did say you've got like four games in four or three games in three days, and then you've got to play Saturday as well, so. Yeah. That's a lot of cricket. Last one, mate. Um, what, mate? Muckleford's so special to you when you played with us. Oh, I spoke about it before a bit. Just, like, the culture that we had and the boys, girls, all around, like, having people on the barbecue every Thursday night. Yeah, that night, selection, uh, training was always just up and about. Like, yeah, just a good vibe around the club. And then, I mean, when we had our classic Muckleford collapse, when we didn't, it was always just good fun at the end of the day. And, yeah, I enjoyed it so much. I'd do anything to come back, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Look, we'd always welcome you back in the bag of your own, maroon, mate. I don't know if the brown and gold or brown and yellow suits you, but uh, it's definitely the maroon and gold that does. We, look, a lot of it, I know I am, I keep an eye on you every week. I've got the sucker on my cricket, so I go to Kensington first 11 every week just to see how you're going. I know probably not the only one. We wish you all the best, mate, with all the pathway stuff, and we really hope that you can make a career out of cricket, but uh, if you don't, well, you're always welcome back at Mucklewood. So all the best, mate, going forward. Thanks, Pete. Does. Dash him across to you, everyone. Uh, well, we might take a very short break, and we'll come up and wrap up the show right after this.
Welcome back to Fat FM, everyone, and uh, a big thank you to Darcy McCrossy for joining us on the podcast, Vlog. He's a delightful young man. I've always had a lot of time for young Darcy, and um, yeah, we, I think both of us, and probably everyone at the club that knows young Darcy, we wish him well in his future endeavours with cricket. He's got a ton of ability. I'd, I'd probably go, even go as far as extending that to the McCrossy family in general, Brett. Um, like, Lockie and Louie are fine kids in their own right. Peter's an absolute legend. Um, yeah, even the short conversations over with Libby, like they're all terrific people. They're just a wonderful family and they, they fitted in so well at Muckleford and it, it sounds like they're just kicking off and, and having such a wonderful life over in South Australia. So it's an absolute credit to them and um, we wish them all the best for uh, the future. Yeah, I know you're a big Louis McCrossy fan uh, because he was so small, I think. That was <laughs> that was, that was was why I think for you, but no, we do. Now, Wog... Um, we are going to delve into the ladders uh, and as well as a preview for the next game, which doesn't happen till January 9, but both you and I are away that or away leading up to that week. So there's not going to be a podcast for that week. So we apologise, Timmy Ginger, because he gets a bit upset when we don't have guests and things like that. So we apologise in advance, Tim, that some of us need a little bit of a break. <laughs> So we might delve into that wog, and we'll start with um, we'll start with Seagrade. So they're continuing on their two day game this week. I've caught you on the hop, haven't I? No, 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 no. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah. So the Seagrade side are continuing on both their matches. One of them was defending 85, and the other one was uh, 117 against Harcourt. Uh, if we look at the ladders, uh, Muckleford are sitting in third place in their pool. In pool A. Yeah, yep. pool A, sorry. Barkers Creek, uh, miles and miles out ahead, followed by Castleman United and then Muckleford. Uh, and then uh, Harcourt are in fourth and Guildford in fifth. So if the Seagrade side do uh, win and chase down Harcourt's score, uh, that will move them up on the ladder and it will keep them uh, from falling, slipping to fourth position. Uh, if we kick on over to pool B, uh, the combine side are in fourth position. Hepburn, uh, same, they're miles ahead, they're a decent way ahead, they're followed by Newstead, and then it's Lana Curry, Denali, and then their combine side, and then Coltsfield, and are on the bottom of the ladder. So similar situation. Don't want to don't want to drop a game and give Coltsfield a look in. If they can get a win before the uh, Christmas break, that would be really good. Uh, so you want me to continue on, Brett? May as well, Wog, because I, I think Seagrove, I'm just looking here, Wog, they don't resume until 30th of January, uh, so basically when school goes back. So um, they get a nice little break, but... There'll be some senior cricket available to some of those young fellas. There's no doubt there'll be a few guys away uh, when we return. Yep. Okay, so I'll continue on to B grade. B grade don't start up uh, the weekend, that first weekend, the 9th of January. I think they start up the following weekend. Is that right, Brett? So the 16th. That's right. They start the 16th. Yep. Yep. Okay, so uh, they're they're two games. I think it's about two games clear on top. So they're on 66 points. Guildford are on 42, as are North Castle, Maine. So they've got a pretty generous lead. Uh, over second and third, uh, and then Taradale are in fourth position, and they're uh, hotly contested fourth spot with between them and Harcourt and Maiden Gully, and even Newstead as well. So it's a uh, very uh, close in that ladder, uh, lower half of the ladder. Uh, the boys just want to continue on with their winning ways. Don't get try. Hopefully, not get complacent over the Christmas break with their with quite a, quite a generous lead on the ladder. They don't, don't really want to uh, drop out of form, particularly uh, before they know it. Finals will be upon them. Uh, I was about to say, well, uh, I think if they only they only need to win probably one or two, and they're probably going to finish top two. So I think them and Guildford are probably the teams to beat. Don't rule out Taradale. Uh, uh, just depends if Taradale can get a full team up week to week. Yeah. So they're probably the three, and then yeah, there's a good battle for fourth. Uh, even though Castlemaine are last, I think their ladder position doesn't actually probably give a true reflection on how they actually are. So fair enough. Well said. Okay. So, pardon me. Um, we will move on to a reserve. So, uh, Muckleford are sitting in fourth place. They are six points clear of Harcourt, who are in fifth. Newstead are third on 42 points, equal with Maiden Gully uh, on 42. Just a slight gap in percentage there between the two. And then Hepburn are sitting on top of the ladder. The equation's simple for a reserve. They just have to keep winning. They don't want to give the likes of a Harcourt or even potentially a Castlemaine um, a look in with only uh, coming in after Christmas. Uh, so they've got to keep their winning ways and, and continue. Um, beating Newstead like they did was was huge. It kept them in touch with them. 
and uh, the, and even Maiden Gully as well. So hopefully they can continue on uh, with their winning ways as well. Yeah, I think you're right, Wog. Uh, that, that win was massive. Uh, it was a loss. It wasn't detrimental, but certainly it's a, it's a, a, a fair way back, though. Uh, you know, I would imagine most teams will probably strengthen after Christmas, especially if they're in the in the finals mix. So yeah, it's important their first game after Christmas, which is against it is Castlemaine. Sorry, well, there you go. Mm, yeah, fixtures, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so we'll we'll move on. Uh, so the final out of the uh, summary that we're providing here is uh, A grade. Michaelford are in third. Uh, they're equal on points with Castleman United, who are in second, uh, and uh, Newstead are just below them on percentage. Uh, Maiden Gully are in fifth position on 30 points. Barkers Creek are miles ahead on 66 points on the top of the ladder. So uh, anywhere from second down to possibly fifth, maybe even sixth with Guildford, you don't really want to give them a look in at all. Yeah, that that, that win was very, very important for A grade uh, to level things up the, uh, and keep in touch with uh, Castleman and, and solidifying their place on the ladder. Uh, leading into Christmas was absolutely crucial. So uh, the A-grade boys will want to continue on winning as well because uh, if they, it's a slippery slope if, if they even drop one game uh, coming into the latter half of the season. Yeah, look, again, Saturday was huge because, uh, I mean, probably would have been equal fourth, probably would have been in fifth. I think Maiden Gully would have still had a better percentage um, than us. But, yeah, Saturday, I think just gives a little bit of belief that we actually can achieve something this year. So... Uh, hopefully the guys take some real positive effects out of that. But A-grade uh, is extremely even. I know Barkers Creek are a long way out in front, but uh, we we had a real good chance to beat them. Uh, we're in a really good position. I know Castlemaine also were in a really good position to beat them. So, yeah, they're probably the team to beat, but from second through to sixth, there is literally nothing in it. I, and I, I mean, that that's purely represented by... Now, Guildford have beaten us in round one, but we've beaten Castlemaine in round two and Maiden Gully uh, beat, I think they roll or nearly beat Castlemaine and they're in fifth and Newstead nearly beat uh, Barkers, I think. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, or we're actually in a really good position against Barkers. So, you know, it's extremely even A grade. I guess from an A grade point of view, the first two games after Christmas could make or break the year. If you win both of them, you're basically nearly there. Lose both of them, you put yourself right in a big hole. You've got to at least win one of those first two. That's a nice little segue uh, there, Brett. So I think I'll just carry on with that there, that we'll, uh, we'll dive into the previews for the first two games for next year. Uh, so the 9th of January is when these are both played. So first up, uh, A Reserve will be playing Castlemaine United at the Camp Reserve, the lovely, luscious Camp Reserve. That'll be an important match for them. Uh, yeah, they won't want they won't want to drop the ball with that. Uh, Castlemaine are lower on the ladder, they're granted, um, but they still don't want to take them uh, take them for granted at all. So, very important game for a reserve there. And um, just quickly, I'll finish up. A grade will play Newstead at the Mapson and Timmins Oval. They had a very uh, good win against them earlier in the season, so hopefully they can continue on and get another winner against Newstead. Particularly with uh, the way the ladder sits, Newstead are just behind them, behind Mucklefoot on percentage, so they will certainly won't want to drop uh, this match against Newstead. Brett? No, they won't, won't indeed, Wog. Um, Newstead's composition of their team has uh, changed quite a bit um, since we played in round two, so um, they're going to be a hell of a lot different prospect. They've got a little bit more depth in their, or definitely more depth in their batting. Um, and their bowling's probably got a little bit more depth as well. So, yeah, it's a two very, very, very important games. If A Reserve win, probably Castlemaine probably can't find a way home in A Reserve to make the four. And if A Grade uh, win, you know, again, just keeps us, you know, equal second, which is all you can ask for, Wog. Yep, exactly right. And I, I feel silly. I've been a little remiss. I forgot to mention this with uh, with all teams winning on the weekend the way that they did. President, shout. Unreal. Good on yeah. you, Hep. Well done. Yes, he, he manages to sneak out to a other engagement, though, Wogs. So I don't think anyone uh, was able to have the president shout last week. I did. Oh, did you? Oh, well, he owes me one then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. On that note, Brett, uh, the preview is done for next year. Good luck to all, good luck to all the teams in their matches, um, and I hope everyone uh, has a very thoroughly enjoyable holiday period. You couldn't have uh, led that any better for me, Wog. Um, been a very not traumatic, but it's been a very different year, 2020. Um, we wish 2021 
will be a hell of a lot better for everyone. Uh, hopefully we can go back to a normal life uh, as such or very close to. Um, so to, to everyone involved now, club, whether you're a player, a community person, a parent of a, a junior, if you're, if you're connected in some way, we wish you a very happy and prosperous Christ, happy Christmas and a prosperous New Year. Um, stay safe. Uh, don't do anything too stupid um, because we all want just back next year uh, playing uh, or following our club or even just following this podcast. So uh, very important that, um, yeah, you do that. Now, Wolga, you want to uh, lead us out tonight? Yes, um, I, do. I do, I do, I do, I really I'm ske- do. I'm sceptical where this is going, so... <laughs> oh, you're going uh, to this- enjoy this, Brett. I'll firstly plug our socials, um, and then I'll get into this lovely little tidbit that I've got sitting in front of me here, which you're going to love. So first off, uh, if you could please give us a like on our social media platform. So we have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash MuckleFordCC. We have uh, the Twitter page, which is run by the Oracle of the club, uh, twitter.com slash MuckleFordCC. We also have... Uh, the website, muckleford.vic.cricket.com.au and the team app. The team app's available on iOS and Android smartphone devices. Uh, you can download it and search for the Muckleford Cricket Club and uh, uh, sign in there and uh, get all of the material there. Uh, if you could also give our uh, Spotify page a like. If you look for Thud FM on Spotify, you will no doubt find us. There's nobody else called Thud FM. Trust me, I've looked. And uh, hopefully we can continue that uh, worldwide takeover of getting other countries involved. I haven't checked the listening numbers, Brett, but um, hopefully it'll uh, blow up over Christmas. All right, now, with that done and dusted, now, I thought I would provide my own form of Muckleford Christmas cheer, or let's call it Fudmas cheer. So if anyone's familiar with the old rhyme of "'Twas a Night Before Christmas,' I thought I'd write my own little edition called it was Twas a Night Before Fudmas. So on that note, Brett, I'm going to read this little poem of, that I have uh, plagiarised severely um, through Twas a Night Before Christmas, but I've included a muckle for flavour in it. I hope you enjoy it, folks, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a happy and safe uh, New Year. Twas the night before Fudmas went all through south. Not a batsman was stirring or even the couch. The stockings were hung by the bar with care in hopes that St. Hep soon would be there. All fudders were nestled snug in their beds while visions of wickets danced in their heads and Smet with his coopers and Raquel with her pen had just settled down to score once again. When out on the ground there arose such a clatter I sprang from the rooms to see what was the matter. Away to the turf I flew at a rate, tore open the rollers and ripped off the gate. The sun on the breast of the newly cut grass, a smell you shan't forget the memory will last. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature backo and eight tiny reindeer? A little old driver with such a lively step, I knew in a moment it must be St. Hep. More rapid than Len, his course as they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now what's his name? Now thingy! Now left arm hoop! Now tash! On cordial, on cascade and light, to the top of the rail, no, the top of the roof, no, dash away, dash away, <laughs> poof. As dry leaves settled around the ground, the kids were excited with whom to get around, so up to the rooms the reindeers they flew with a sleigh full of icy poles and sent hep too. And then in a twinkling I heard near the ramp the prancing and pouring of each little scamp as I drew in my hand and counted to twenty, out came St. Hep with icy poles aplenty. He was dressed maroon and gold from his head to his toe and his clothes all tarnished with sunscreen. Oh, and there's Bongo. A bundle of ice creams flung out with glee. Oh, he wouldn't be out of place at the MCG. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. You could tell St. Hep was ready to send down a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow and the tash and the tash of his upper lip was as white as the snow. A stump of chalky held tight in his hand, ready to take centre was St. Hep's brand. He had a broad f- face and a, round little, a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was giggly and happy, a right jolly elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. Two more verses. 
He spoke not a word and went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger on the cooker side of the pill, he unleashed an in-swinger. Oh, one in a mill. He sprang to his sleigh and to his team gave a whistle. Batting next, lads, he claimed with a bristle. He also exclaimed as he drove out of sight, happy fudmas to all and to all, good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>